Hello and welcome to another episode of In the Narthex. My name is Alyssa Gubril and I'm here today with Pastor Jeff Thune and Pastor Lucas Hattenberger of Northwest Bible Church. Every other week we sit down to discuss how the gospel of Jesus Christ speaks to the questions and conversations of today. And today we are talking about Lent. Yes, we are talking about Lent, and this is one of those um, subjects, even words, that can potentially um, trigger for some people a past religious experience, um, high church, ritualistic, dry, um, heavy-handed sort of experience. And and so we want to do our best to um, clarify exactly what we're talking about when we talk about Lent. Um, what are the kind of the biblical, um, yeah, the, the biblical rationale behind it and why we actually think it, it could be a really good thing for our church and other churches to kind of step into, learn more about, um, experience for themselves. So we're going to do that today. And I guess we would just ask our listeners to give us a little bit of grace. Uh, if you're someone who comes from one of those high church, ritualistic sort of backgrounds. And for you, um, that carries either a negative connotation or one that's just like, hey, it doesn't really mean anything. Um, I give up some stuff or some people throw some ashes on their head or whatever. Um, But you're not really sure, yeah, why is it significant or should it be significant for me? On either one of those sides, just give us some grace as we have this conversation we hope that you'll listen, and we hope that it'll be um, helpful and clarifying, not just to our body here at Northwest, but to anyone else who's, who's listening. We do, I would say, um, we, we do want to say this. We are trying to do our best um, to sort of marry um, some modern worship practice music um, methods with a, a rich, um, historic, uh, you know, um, long-standing people of God sort of experience and, and marry those two together. And that's challenging. That can be really challenging. I think um, we don't want to be, you know, um, chronological snobs, as C.S. Lewis would, would say, um, thinking that, hey, we in the last 50 years have sort of arrived at the best expression of Christian worship and um, therefore everything that, but we also, you know, don't want to just consider everything that the ancients did or everything that, um, you know, uh, Christians of the past did is like, hey, that's stamp of approval. It, it must be the best. So, so trying to kind of go, hey, we're finding ourselves in the 21st century here. And there are some things that, that we're joining in this story of God. And in that, journeying with God's people through the ages. And so as we look at the whole of that experience, um, man, what is, yeah, what's really, what's good for our time, but what's also um, really significant and rich um, for all the, you know, pastimes that, that would um, compel us to, to, to bring that forward. So um, that's something that we're trying to do. We're not doing it perfectly necessarily, but um, it's our desire to offer a really rich, reverent, um, Holy Spirit, you know, driven um, times of worship in our, in our context here at Northwest. Yeah, that's really helpful. 
I think, yeah, because I'm kind of one of those of like, I don't even really totally know what Lent is or like why we're doing it here. Mm. When I think of Lent, I think of, I know the day before Lent is Fat Tuesday. Growing up in Detroit in Polish, um, with Polish friends, Punchki Day, you eat some really good donuts the day before <laughs> Lent. Um, maybe it's a time to like get back on the wagon if you've fallen off from your New Year's resolutions and mm. you, you, know, you say, okay, I'm not going to eat caffeine or chocolate or I'm going to fast from social media. Um, there's something about ashes in there, but so all of that to say, what even is Lent? Mm. What is it? What are we talking about? Yeah. Good question. Um, yeah. And I, I, just to add to Jeff, I think that if you're going to Northwest or if you're not, and well, yeah, mainly if you're going to Northwest <laughs> and you're wondering what we're trying to do here is, yeah, like we're trying to bring Hillsong and, uh, you know, all, all these amazing Austin Stone, amazing modern worship, but we're also trying to enrich everything that we do with the best of um, what's been done in the church for the past 2,000 years. So I think um, it's important to acknowledge that we're in a line of, of a, a, a long line of saints, yeah. of, of people who love Jesus, who wanted to follow Jesus. Yeah. And that began in, uh, you know, AD 34, AD 33. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Doing a Lent night of worship or a Lent service is an attempt at doing that. Now, have it, I, I'll, before we jump in, I just want to say we're going to make it our own thing, right? We're going to utilize the tools of the past, but also say, hey, you know what? We're, we are distinctively Northwest. We're not St. Andrews. We're not, uh, well, we're certainly not the Mormon church, <laughs> but we're going to make it our own thing. And um, And what that means is we're not going to betray our values. We're not going to... Um, move to some other tradition or, or some. At the same time, though, we do want to, to utilize these tools from the mm, past. Mm, that's good. So um, what, what is Lent? Well, put really simply, Lent is a 40-day period from uh, 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 Ash Wednesday uh, up until Good Friday. And it's this period where we consider our need for salvation. We consider our, our uh, mortality, um, uh, we, we consider the, the fact that Jesus, of why Jesus had to come and die on the cross, mm, basically. Mm. We, 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 we are taking this time, this 40-day period of time before Good Friday to meditate on it, to consider it, to really let it sink into our bones, um, the cross and the, the purpose of the cross. Right. And so that's, um, at, at, at its big most highest level, that's what Lent is. It's mm. all that it is. Mm. Now, there are certain practices that historically have gone into that mm. that, <clears throat> you know, again, we have to say at the outset that are beneficial but not necessary, you know. Mm. Uh, fasting usually goes with that, and we'll, see, we'll look at why. Uh, there are usually ashes that are applied to, he- to the head, and, and we'll uh, look again at, at why. But at the outset, there is no thou shalt. Right. It's only, hey, this is really beneficial. Here's mm. some biblical principles that would sort of encourage us to, to think about doing that. But if, if we, let's just say we have this Lenten service and you don't want to put ashes on your head or you don't want to fast or whatever, it's okay. Right? You know, so that's, that's just kind of the, the first thing to say. So what is this 40-day period? Well, I, I just want to bring in a guy named Robert Weber. He, uh, he wrote a few books. Um, and all of these books are kind of themed around this idea of ancient future, marrying the two together. So he has one called Ancient Future Worship, 
uh, one called Ancient Future Faith. There's another one that he's written called Ancient Future Time. And he has this concept called uh, Christian Year Spirituality. Christian Year Spirituality. And um, basically the idea is that what the church has tried to do for the last 2,000 years is utilize different periods of the, Christ- of, of the year to orient us around Jesus um, and the gospel. Um, and so, you know, all of the Christian life is about our, our being in re- this relationship with Jesus. Who's beca- he became a man. He died. He rose. He ascended to heaven. He's coming back. And what the church has historically tried to do is say, hey, let's, let's outline the year in such a way that mirrors the life of Jesus. Right, right. And it'll help us sort of think through different major key aspects of his life, of his ministry, of his death, of his resurrection. And um, so the Christian year is Christ-centered. Now, does that mean that other traditions have made it not Christ-centered? Um, or, sorry, that other traditions have not, you know... Uh, so, like, for instance, the Roman Catholic Church, we all know... <laughs> that they've added so many other things to the church calendar. There's all these rituals. That's not our aim, um, uh, especially during the, the, uh, the, the, the Middle Ages. There was just, uh, they crammed so much into the church calendar about Mary and the saints and all that stuff. That's not what we're after. But what we are after is being gospel-centered mm. and helping our hearts get closer to Jesus. Mm. And uh, from, from the beginning, there were two sort of cycles in the church year. And uh, what Robert Weber calls them is, uh, on, on the one hand, there's the cycle of light. Mm. And we just finished that cycle. Yeah. And that's the cycle of Advent going into Christmas. And he calls it the cycle of light, you might guess, because Jesus is the light of the world. And when uh, Jesus became man, the light came into the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome it. Mm. And we spent four weeks celebrating that reality. And hopefully that, that helped people orient themselves around the fact of the incarnation. Mm. That's one of the main aspects of Jesus is that he was God who became man. But there's another main aspect of who Jesus is and what he's done, and that's what we call the atonement, which is Jesus dying for our sins and rising on the third day. And so there's a second cycle, which we're about to enter into in, in March, and that's called the cycle of life. And the basic idea is Jesus didn't just come into our world. He came to give us new life. And he does that through the cross and the resurrection. And so that cycle begins in Lent. And Lent is basically a time just like Advent. In Advent, we look forward to the birth of Jesus. In, Advent, uh, in uh, Lent, rather, we look forward to the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. And we consider that for 40 days. We consider that reality. Um, and so one, one way to think about this is there's so many aspects of Jesus' life, but you could consider these two cycles kind of mountain peaks in the life of Jesus. So you have the first one, which is the incarnation, and then you know, kind of his regular ministry, but then the next one is his death and resurrection. And those are the two mountain peaks that we want to focus on. Mm. And so... Uh, in terms of the church calendar, Lent mirrors Advent. It's just like Advent in the sense that Lent looks forward to this other mountain peak. And so Christmas mir- mirrors uh, Easter in, in that sense. And so um, hopefully you can see how both of these cycles are trying to tell the story of, of Jesus. And mm. so that's kind of the big picture there. 
I don't want to spend too much on this, but ho- hopefully you can just kind of see, oh, okay, I, I understand. Before we even look at any of these traditions of ashes and fasting and all that sort of stuff, the original intention of Lent was just that, very, yeah. very simply, to orient around ourselves around during this 40-day period around Jesus' death and resurrection. So, I like that. I like the like intentionality <coughs> kind of behind like why we're even thinking about that. Um, so then where do we see this in Scripture, or what's like the biblical rationale for Lent? I think that's helpful. I think if you're someone who's, yeah, I mean, Alyssa, a little bit like you, who, yeah, I've had friends who, who kind of step into Lent or, you know, practice Lent in certain ways, but I, I'm not really sure. Just even knowing, okay, I have, even through um, my relationship and community here at this church, I have walked up to Christmas, you know, I've walked um, through the Advent season, preparing my heart, joining the saints throughout the ages of considering all that was happening as Christ was about to come into our world, was about to, to, to be born to a virgin, was about to, you know, take on flesh and um, live among us. I have done that. And so in a very similar way, like Lucas just described, um, I'm also doing that, you know, um, as Lent starts. I'm, I'm looking toward the cross. I'm kind of putting myself in the story. And I'm, I'm hopefully reflecting more, thinking more, reading more, um, praying more about, okay, what, what was he experiencing? And um, what were his disciples experiencing? And, and how do I prepare my heart and center my life really around the story of Jesus? Like I think Lucas should have... Good job of, of describing. So biblical rationale. Um, all of the Gospels um, have a journey to the cross, right? Uh, a time of um, preparation for atonement. Um, and there's, there's different points through all of the Gospels, but one that kind of stands out is Luke uses this phrase that Jesus set his face to Jerusalem. So there's this pivotal mo- moment um, in in Luke's gospel, where it's like from that point on, Jesus is like, okay, I've, um, I've come, I've lived, I've stepped into kind of my public ministry, and there's this definitive kind of halfway through, well, not quite halfway through Luke, where he starts to set his face, like set his mind, set his heart, set his eyes on the, the main purpose that he came, right? And that was Calvary, that was the cross, that was, um, you know, purchasing for us what we, what we couldn't, you know, couldn't do on our own. Um, and so um, as, he, as he steps into that, what we're doing essentially is, is like I just referenced, is, okay, um, w- what did that look like? And how do I join with him um, in that journey? In the Gospels, the disciples accompanying him toward the cross, right? They're making this journey too. They don't totally understand everything that they're stepping into, even though many different times, you know, he's told them, hey, this is where we're headed. This is what's going to happen. They're going to, you know, um, crucify the the Son of Man. Um, but they're invited into that journey, and and they do step into that journey. There are different moments where, like, Peter tries to fight against that and is rebuked. Um, 
the other disciples start to get to the point where they're like realizing where this is leading and what this is and they start to scatter, you know, but there is this progression toward the cross, uh, toward Jerusalem as Jesus has set, Jesus sets his face there. So, um, what we're doing, you know, all of Jesus' disciples are joining together with him, invited to do the same, set our faces toward Jerusalem, consider all that it means. Um, one other particular reference is, is Mark chapter 10, where James and John, the, the son of, sons of thunder, um, you know, get their mom to kind of ask Jesus, hey, you know, come, come, um, you know, I, I would love for, can, can I request that, you know, when you come establish, fully establish your kingdom and sit on your throne, that my sons sit on your right hand and on your left. And, and his response is so, I mean, provocative and interesting. Um, he's, he's basically, one, saying, hey, my kingdom is different than, than the kingdoms of this world. But also, like, he's asking them, can you drink the cup that I'm about to drink, you know? Um, are you ready to be baptized? You will actually be baptized into um, what I'm going to be baptized in. So again, there he's showing them, hey, glory comes only after suffering. And um, resurrection comes only after death. And so... Um, they're swept up in this journey, and we ourselves want to, um, you know, starting with Lent and then for the 40 days leading up to Good Friday, um, do the same thing, you know. And I think it is an opportunity for Christians um, to, yeah, to, to walk that path with Jesus to more, um, yeah, in more, like I said, reflective, prayerful richer ways just enter into that versus all of a sudden it's Good Friday and I haven't really thought about it a whole lot at all. Um, So yeah, there are certain practices that go along with that, but I think Lucas is right. Like, you know, you just strip it down. What it was intended to be, what it's always intended to be is, hey, this is the story of Jesus. And so let's join him in that story um, and walk with him on the path that he walked you know that that just before we move on, that reminds me of the, the uh, Christmas Eve service because we do the exact same thing. Mm. Is we put ourselves. We were talking about this last night too. Um, the Lectio Divina, kind of. Mm. We, we read the story and then we consider we're like the shepherds who mm. the angels came and announced, and oh my goodness, who's this? You know, or we're like the wise men who are following this light and we finally find it. Mm. Um, we're like the stupid disciples mm. whom Jesus is sort of dragging along. He's like, okay, this is where we're going. We're going this way. And Peter says, no, no, you, you, far be it from you. And, and Jesus says, no, you're, you're acting like Satan right mm. now. <laughs> mm. um, so I think just always inhabiting the story, and I, I think you're right. It's like, oh, all of a sudden Good Friday is here. But we should be considering, considering it long before and, and then considering the why of the cross as well. And um, so, <clears throat> so you kind of brought in this, this idea of setting, he's setting his face, we're following him. What about these common practices? Um, so I just want to go through these, probably the two most um, uh, well-known practices, which is ashes on the forehead during Ash Wednesday, 
And then the fasting. The first one I do is um, the ashes. I want to talk about the ashes first. Why, why would a Christian, you know, and, and there's, there's a lot of objections that you could, that you could make, you know, um, for instance, the Sermon on the Mount where the Pharisees would fast and they would look all gloomy mm. and they would, if there was Instagram, they'd be posting their, themselves <laughs> on Instagram right. and Jesus says, don't do that. Yeah. Uh, to which we say, okay, well, I'm not going to get ashes on my forehead. Well, let's just consider why would we do that in the first place? And I think, you know, it's, it's right to assume that a lot of people do it without even thinking about it. Yeah. Because it's cool, they post on Instagram or whatever. But why would we do it? And it comes from the reality of Genesis 3. Mm. And, uh, you know, Adam had eternal life. He was with God. He turned away from God. And God says, listen, I made you from dust. Mm. And I gave you my life. But because of your sin, you're going to return to dust. Mm. That is the story of the fall. From dust you came, to dust you shall return. And then there's this sort of motif that's running throughout the Old Testament. That whenever someone repents, Mm. uh, it's said over and over again. It's in Nineveh, it's in uh, Jonah, it's uh, in Job, uh, it's it's in a lot of the um, historical books. That you repent in dust, or in in sackcloth and ashes. Mm. Meaning you, you put ash on your head. Mm. And, and it's a sign of repentance. Mm. And what, is, what does the ash mean? Well, it means I am a sinner just like my father, Abraham, uh, Adam. I, I, I'm a chip off the old block. Uh, in Adam, all die. Uh, that's, that's what it's meant to, to indicate. And it's just this, this, it's a symbolic, very meaningful expression that because of sin, I'm returning to the dust from which we all came. Right. Um, and, and it's very, theologically, it's very accurate. Um, you know, when you get into the New Testament, Paul talks all the time about this Adam-Christ parallel. Uh, Christ is the new Adam. You have the old Adam. And then specifically in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, in Adam all die, but in Christ all are made alive. And so we return to ashes in Adam, but we're resurrected from the dead in Christ. Mm. So the, the, the idea here is, by placing ashes on our forehead, we're acknowledging that in, in Adam, in the, in the old man, I'm destined for death. Mm. And that, has, um, that means that a new Adam has to come mm. and take our death and defeat it, take, bear our sin, and, um, and, and have the final victory. And so it, it is a very meaningful symbolic action. Yeah. yeah. Now... Um, you still might say, well, but you're going to walk around with ashes all day long. Mm. Well, the answer is um, go wash them off. Mm. <laughs> you know, you, you could walk out of the service and just wash them off. Yeah. Um, you don't have to wear them all day long. Um, it's, the action itself is what is meaningful. Right. It's an act of repentance before God's acknowledging, hey, I, <laughs> I, I was in Adam and, I, and now I... I'm, I'm looking forward to this new Adam who's come to take my, my death and my ashes and my, all of that, and he's going he's gonna to defeat it. So um, I, I, I recognize that uh, you know, if you were to go to the Roman Catholic Church down the road or whatever, um, they might not explain any of that. Mm. And yet that is the significance yeah. of it. And yeah. I think 
returning to that original significance is what gives all these things new meaning and new vigor and new life. Um, and so, yeah, so that's, that's the practice of, of ashes. I think that's, yeah, I, I think that's super helpful and, and something that, yeah, and, and in doing so, you're also, you're on the path with Jesus almost saying, yes, I need you to do what you're going to do, yeah. you know? And, you know, even thinking as we're kind of teaching through the Sermon on the Mount and we were talking about this morning when Jesus blessed um, are the poor in spirit, you know? Um, I, I'm, how, how is that possible? Well, I'm, I'm blessed because I recognize my need. I recognize more, my mortality. I recognize that Adam is my father and that, and I need a new Adam. And so, um, there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, yeah, a neediness there, a poorness that I recognize that I'm asking Christ to, um, overcome. And as I'm following him toward Jerusalem, he's going to overcome it, you know? And so there is something really significant, symbolic and, um, and, you know, I I would even say, and you're going to get into this a little bit, but our, our services in the evening anyway. So we're not, we're not going to be trying to run around with yeah, ashes no, on our face going, look how holy we are. Look how <laughs> pious we are. Look at my Instagram shot of my, you know, but I, I think, you know, whether you choose to participate in that or not, like that's the, you know, the biblical significance behind it. And in a sense, in a sense what you'd be stepping into if you chose yeah. to participate in it. And I just think it's good to acknowledge like, you know, practices do become corrupted, mm. right? But it's not that the practice itself then becomes evil, right? Yeah. It, 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 all right, hey, let's uh, we're, let's return now to the original intent here. Um, so, anyways, yeah. all right, let's let's go to the forty days of fasting. So, usually, another thing you do is you fast for forty days. Um, why? What's what's the whole point of that? Um, so there, there is a biblical pattern um, throughout the Old and New Testament of 40 days or 40 years of testing. Mm. Um, and it's almost always out in the, the desert. Um, so uh, you can think of Moses when he was chosen by God to be the Redeemer of Israel. He went out into the desert to be tested and to be prepared to be the Savior of Israel. Then you have uh, Israel herself was taken out of Exodus into the desert for 40 years, tested. They failed pretty miserably. (laughs) Um, And then you have Jesus, who was tested for 40 days, who's the new Israel, the new Moses. And he he had the victory. He He won over the powers of sin and evil and temptation. And part of part of this this 40 day period is sort of entering into that as well. Uh that that period of testing and um, and and just putting ourselves in, in those shoes, in those people's shoes, we're we're like Israel, we're like Moses, uh, we're entering with Jesus uh, into the desert, we're going towards the cross. What's the significance of fasting, though? I, I would like to to ask ask that. If if you do fast during Lent, don't announce it on social media. That's what Jesus says. Um, don't 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 show off about it. The whole purpose of fasting is to become more and more aware of your humanity, your mm-hmm. mortality, 
your brokenness. So let's just say if you, you it's fine. Like you, you, hey, you want to fast from sugar or whatever, um, or caffeine or, or w- what have you. Um, the moment that you start desiring that is when you should cry out in prayer to God. Um, and, and you should realize, I have no power in myself. I'm, I'm a son of Adam. Uh, I, I, I can't do this. God, I need your help. So this, this whole 40-day period is just, it's meant to make you aware, just like Moses was made aware and Israel was made aware mm. of their brokenness and their humanity and their utter need for death and sin to be uh, defeated. Mm. And so it's just, it's just a, again, it just becomes corrupted, but it's just this, 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 this time where you can just say, you know what, I'm going to really become aware of my weakness mm. and I'm going to do it on purpose. You know, mm. um, I'm, I'm going to enter into these. And, and the best thing to do really is to say, what is one thing that I can't do without, you know, I, I can't do without, you know, TV at night. Okay. Well stop watching TV at night and see what happens. Mm. <laughs> mm. I can't do without, you know, uh, uh, a glass of alcohol each night. Okay. Well, Give that up and see what happens. You're going to suffer. Uh, you're you're going to hurt, and you're going to become more aware of yourself and your weakness and your need. And it's not, you, you know, I think a lot of people associate this with the, the Catholic doctrine of penance. Uh, that is not uh, what, what this is about. What this is about is is just becoming aware. Mm. It's about. Um, Entering more deeply into this state of, of you know what, I need God. I need mm. God so mm. bad. Um, mm. Can't do this without him, you know, all, all that sort of thing. So I, I would just say, it, I would encourage you to think about it, pray about it. If you do it, don't tell anybody what you're doing. Um, and, and if you do it, just, just if, don't aim at perfection. Just aim at awareness, becoming wholly aware of your need for God. So Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There's a there's a crew Bible study on the book of Ephesians that is like sticking with me right now. It talks about um, the music and the dance steps. So like if you see somebody dancing and you don't hear music, they look kind of silly. You, mm-hmm. All you see is the dance and you mm. don't hear the music. And so they have to go together. And so particularly in the book of Ephesians, like the first half of the book is the music. It's the mm. gospel. This is, this is the why. This is the message. Mm. And then the second half is how. And that's, that's the dance steps. And that just calls to mind what you're talking about right now of like it can, we can see plenty of examples where you just see the dance steps. You just see the religious behavior on the outside and you don't have the music underlying it. You don't see the, the meaning underlying it. Mm. And so I'm really enjoying just hearing that right now, like mm. understanding kind of mm. what underlies it. Mm. Um, and that also really makes me want to like share that with other people too. Yeah. Um, even to, to, I mean, to tell people to listen to our podcast, but also just to like be able to talk about yeah. What does it look like to fast? Because I see people like, that aren't even connected to church that are fasting during mm. Lent, you know? But to be able to tie it to, like, no, this is what it actually really means. This is a cool opportunity to get to tell people. Like, I, I think, what you know what, I, I think it is, yes, everything can be corrupted. That means, you know, that doesn't mean, like you said before, the practice itself doesn't have significance 
isn't grounded in the scripture in some way, isn't, wouldn't be really spiritually um, forming for a Christian. But I think what you're saying too is like, okay, so if we're trying to kind of like, you know, remove, untangle it from some of the things that have been added onto it and still go, hey, would this be a good thing for me to step into? And if the answer is, yeah, like at least part of it or at least parts of it, then it also, you know, creates a very a nice sort of opportunity for you to engage people who have, yeah. they don't even understand the why yeah. behind their specific practice. They just know I kind of grew up in this tradition and this is what we do, or I do like to give something up, but it's more like self-centered and, hey, I gave up sugar and look how much weight I lost or whatever, you know, whatever it is, or I got this, you know, this cross on my head and I'm going <laughs> to post pictures on it like, so, so in that way, it does all, also, you know, there's another benefit of like, hey, not only do I get to more deeply reflect on my need um, for the second Adam, not only do I get to actually join him in the story and follow him on this path and consider all that he was going through and that his disciples were going through, but along that path, I might also meet some of the crowds who I can go, hey, like, you're kind of caught up in this too, but you don't understand why you're caught up in it. So let me let me talk to you about that. You know, I mean, you think about like when you're out in the world and you see someone with a tattoo, and you know, right, right there, you have a oh, talk talk to me about the significance of your tattoo or whatever. Well, you know, in a, in a similar way, when people are giving something up for Lent or they're fasting in some specific way, but they're not really sure why behind it. I got this, you know, ashes on my head, but. Hey, talk, talk to me about what that means for you. So I know I'm belaboring the point, but I think it's a good one yeah. that, um, you know, that, that, that people see, hey, either as a Christian, I understand the significance of why I'm doing this, and I can even talk to others who might not understand that, that why, um, or it's, it's an opportunity for me to, like, um, yeah, join Christ on this path, and perhaps even as I do that, um, talk to others about that experience, you know? so Yeah, and it, and it might also just be something where it's like, well, this year I'll go to the night of worship, but definitely not that ashes. Or, or I might, um, you, you, you're just kind of, try, hey, let's dip our toe in the water or something, mm-hmm. you know, let's, let's, See what see what happens. Try it. You know, say, hey, I'm gonna try to do these three things or whatever, you know. And I, I'm gonna try to get the real gospel centered meaning out of it, you know. I, I, you know but Jesus is not looking for perfection, but I think these practices can be helpful. Yeah. 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 And the conversation about it can be helpful too. Yeah. You know? so. Yeah. So you hinted at it. We're having a night of worship um, this year at Northwest for the first time on um, the start to kick off the start of Lent. Um, So what's that service going to look like? Yeah. Can can, before you can you also maybe just give hey the step back from that question and talk about hey kind of this is how many nights of worship through the year and then go into specifically this night of worship, I think that would be helpful for our body. So uh, I I think that what we're going to aim at this year is to have five nights of worship that uh, integrate different, you know, songs, prayers, readings, 
And the, the goal is to um, fold three of those nights of worship into the Christian year. So you've already done the first one if you're at the Christmas Eve service. So good for you. Um, that, was, that was okay. <laughs> uh, the second one is Lent. The third one is Good Friday. And then we'll have um, kind of a vision night in the summer. And then we'll have a prayer, uh, prayer and song uh, service uh, in the fall to kick off the school year. Yeah. And so three of them, though, it's just the, the idea is just to have these be nights of worship that are also in line with the church calendar. Mm. And so uh, the best way, if, you're, if you've ever been to a night of worship where they, they, let's say you sing six songs and in between there you have times of prayer or you have scripture readings, that's essentially what this is going to be. It's going to be a time to engage God. But the theme is just going to be this what we've been talking about lent uh the theme is going to be becoming more aware of our our sinfulness or our need for mercy it's going to be uh, about jesus bringing new life from death um and uh and so it's it's um but just to kind of give you a preview it's we're going to have uh, you know three or four readings from the scriptures with some time for silent prayer to meditate on those things and then on on each side of those, we're going to have two two songs. So we'll start off the night by uh, probably reading something from Genesis three, and just considering, oh man, to dust in Adam, all are dead. And then we'll sing songs that are a little bit more somber and uh, sort of mourning that reality. And then we'll sing some more songs about uh, repentance and crying out to God for mercy. And then we'll sing some more about. Uh, the salvation of Jesus. And so it's really just meant to give you uh, space spiritually to engage God in, in this way, in, in, in this way of, of saying, you know what? Jesus set his face to the cross because mm. we've all died in Adam and I need Jesus and, and, and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And um, I think, I think we'll, we'll probably have ashes. Um, uh but this is going to be just optional, and we'll even make that explicit during the, the service. Like, hey, if, if this is something that's weird or, you know. So, but we're just, my passion is just to utilize these tools from the past, but also utilize, hey, nights of worship are really powerful. They're really awesome. Um, let's combine these two and carve out a space to, to make it so that you can engage God in this, in this certain manner. Yeah. Yeah, that's good, man. I think um, as you were as you were saying that, um, I find myself getting a little bit excited. You know, I mean, any any time we have um, times outside of Sunday morning to um, come together as God's people and 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 worship, and specifically those those three that do have um, significance within the gospel story, the story of Jesus. Um, I think. Wow, even richer, you know, even richer to be able to to come with an expressed purpose of, you know, so. Um, um, well, yeah, I'm excited too, and I'm excited to continue this conversation. And um, if you have questions or concerns or comments, um, we'd love to hear from you at podcast at northwestbible.com. And this podcast is a podcast of Northwest Bible Church in Tucson, Arizona. And it's to spiritually form our own people. But if you're listening from somewhere else, we're really glad that you joined us and um, look forward to sharing more in the future.